0: Hey, product people, welcome to the Product to Profit podcast. We're pulling back the curtain on what it's really like to scale a product-based business profitably and getting into the mindset of a seasoned buyer. I'm your coach, Kristen Fisher, a former corporate retail buyer with over 15 years of experience working for some major brands that you would definitely know, turned six-figure e-commerce store owner of my own gifting brand, Boku, and a retail strategy coach for product-based business owners just like yourself. Inside this podcast, I have honest conversations about what's going on inside of my own business. And I'm also sharing insights to help you get inside the mindset of a buyer to start applying big retail strategies to your own small retail business. Let's get into today's episode. All right, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited, you guys. This is My very first time interviewing somebody on the podcast, and thank God it's with a friend of mine. (laughs) So I'm really excited to have Nina of Nina Gibson Co. here with me today. She's an SEO expert and a visibility enthusiast, I love that, with over 15 years of digital marketing experience, including for some major retailers. So she's a wealth of knowledge. We met in our mastermind last year, and we've since hired one another for our respective business services, so SEO and client gifting. So really great friendship all around here. So without further ado, Nina, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy you're here.
1: Yay. I'm so excited. Thank you so much, Kristen. I I love it. I love the business besties. Here we are (laughs) for your first guest interview.
0: I cannot wait. I know. Thank you for like holding my hand and supporting me through this. <laughs> I actually feel like we're going to have to really keep it on track because um, we could go off track real easily. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll do my best. So let's just kick it off and tell me about your background and your business. And in particular, I'd love for you to talk about your work in the e com Space. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I am an SEO expert, um, as you said, and I help business owners elevate their visibility online, and especially e-commerce businesses because that's what I love. Um, and I spent most of my corporate career in the e-com and the enterprise e-com space. So big retailers like Yankee Candle, Caboodles, Pure Fishing. Um, all kinds of big sites with all kinds of fun SEO stuff happening. But then around COVID, like so many people, I kind of reevaluated what I wanted to be doing. And I'd been on my own as a solopreneur since 2014. But in 2020, I really started to shift my focus to female entrepreneurs and smaller businesses and how I can
0: help them with their SEO strategy and really increase their discoverability. I love it. So you're... I know lately, you're kind of niching down a little bit more and shifting your focus specifically to e-commerce retailers. And I don't know if I'm influencing you at all. I'm like, Nina, <laughs> product <laughs> business owners need support with, with SEO. And I think like we've had this conversation a lot where a lot of people out there either feel that they've been scammed by mm-hmm. SEO agencies that are just kind of taking their money and not really moving the needle... Or on the flip side, there's a lot of people teaching SEO that know kind of a base level enough to teach SEO basics, but they don't really have that next kind of foundational level understanding of SEO. So I'd love to just hear your perspective on, Mm -hmm. I guess, the foundations of SEO specific to Shopify. Like, what are some must have things that you have you would recommend? Because I feel like you probably have a really good. Idea on what we could be doing to just make sure we're checking the boxes. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to talk, but then we're going to go deeper.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I think the number one thing when it comes to Shopify is like basic keyword research. Like you Mm -hmm. really can't do anything on your website until you understand what your audience is even searching for to begin with. And Mm -hmm. I see so many Shopify owners who have collections pages with keywords like dresses or, you know, clothing or toys. And I'm like, What kind of dresses? So broad, right? These super competitive terms. Um, And they're not, nobody's typing in dresses into Google. So I think before anything, even if you've had a Shopify site for years, you can come back to this like foundational piece of keyword research and really understand what is my like target audience searching for? Like, what are they typing in to find the products that I sell? And that's really something you should be doing on the regular anyway, right? Because seasonality, trends change, how people use keywords changes, but use that to inform what you're targeting on your collections pages. And then if you have subcategory pages too, because I see a lot of people who are just throwing it up there because they assume that that's fine, right? Dresses is great or tops, but when you get more specific and like granular, that's when some of that SEO magic starts to happen. Um, So that would be the number one thing that I would say is use keyword research to inform basically everything you're doing on your website.
0: Okay. So I'm going to pause there because mm. I'd love to talk a little bit about how to find keywords that mm. actually are going to move the needle for your business. Because I I feel like on my end, whenever, before I met you, mm-hmm. <laughs> I had a kind of an understanding of SEO and I knew kind of what everybody was saying out there in terms of how to find keywords. But I'd love to hear from you if you have some tips on how to to find keywords that actually your customer is looking for and can translate to something like your nav because you don't want to have something be really muddled at the top nav. So how do you Mm -hmm. find keywords that also make your site look aesthetically pleasing? Mm, that's a really, really good question. So I think for your global
1: nav, it's complete. It's it's okay to be broader, right? right? But then when they click into that collections page, that's where you can get more specific. So let's say you did have a Shopify site selling women's clothing, and you sell, you know, dresses and tops, just for simplicity's sake. It's okay to have dresses in the global nav, right? And then on that actual collections page, you would be targeting like, you know, women's. Boho dresses or whatever it is that's really like specific to what you're selling. Um, In terms of finding those keywords, using a keyword research tool that's robust and taking, you know, some investment in that would be my recommendation. Google Keyword Planner and like Ubersuggest are nice like baby step tools to start familiarizing. But If you're really serious, I would use a tool like SEMrush. It's pretty much the best on the market. It's going to give you the information that you need. And I would start with typing stuff into Google. Like, um, let's say you did sell boho dresses. What comes up when you type in boho dresses? What are some of the suggestions? Then take those to your keyword research tool and start typing things in. And the biggest thing is do not go after informational keywords, right? Right. In Semrush, there'll be a little eye next to it. It'll say informational. Mm-mm. That's people looking for information. They are not primed to buy. You want those people who have transactional intent with their keywords, and maybe even commercial, which means they're investigating different brands. You know, like the best you know concealer for women over forty types. You know those types of things. But those transactional keywords, those are the keywords that are down the funnel. They want to buy. You know, buy running shoes. Um, buy clay earrings. Buy black cocktail dress. Those are the types of keywords to look at for your
0: collections and products pages. Oh, that's so good. And I think too, like what whenever you said the boho dress example, it's interesting what we think our customer is looking for versus what people Mm -hmm. are actually searching for. Because I think we're so in our own businesses and in our own industry and product type that we might have some, some terms that we use industry terms that we think are what she's looking for, but the the average customer doesn't necessarily know that. Or they might not even know what the word boho means. Like your specific Mm -hmm. customer might might not know that. So that was really good. Okay. I'm going to get back on track with any other tips that you have specific for Shopify in addition to keywords.
1: Yeah, so do not be afraid to give Google context. So one of the big things that I always ran up against in enterprise e-com is that the merchandising teams didn't want to do the things that they needed (laughs) to do for SEO. They'd be like, no, Nina, we don't want to put a copy block at the top of the page on this collections page. And I'd be like, but we need to, you know, because there's this fear that putting the copy block above the product is going to deter people. They're not going to click through and see the product or the collections, etc., um, if you're afraid of that, you can put it in the footer. But really, if you want to drive that traffic to your website, Google needs context, right? Even for e So 250, 300 words copy block on that collections page is going to be the sweet spot. Make sure you're linking out to other pages on your website. So like, for example, if you have an accessories collection, you know you might want to link over to your accessories collection from your dresses, right? Be like, hey, if you're looking for accessories for your uh, for your dress, click over here, type of thing, right? Don't use click here though. Don't make sure it's like <laughs> make sure it's like keyword rich anchor text, but you get the idea. Um, and then for your product pages, I see a lot of product pages that are like bare bones. The average product page that is in the first like three positions of the SERPs has over a thousand words. Like they're meaty, mm-hmm. so like and right. people want information. So like when people are hitting a product page, unless like they're a repeat customer and they know that that's the product you know they purchased before, they want to know like the ins and outs. Um, what does this product go well with? What can't I use with this product? Like if you're in skincare or things like that, you know, um, don't be afraid to give information, useful information though, not a bunch of BS just to fill the space. Useful information. And um then the third thing is you need social proof for customer reviews. Mm-hmm. Because if somebody is type, there's a lot of competition out there for a lot of different types of products. And if somebody's looking at your website and there are no reviews and another website and there are tons of reviews. You yeah. know Who what's going to choose. <laughs> Who are they going to choose? So, yeah. and I know that that can be hard when you're first starting out, but, you know, get an email marketing um, plan in place to reach out to those customers, you know, a week after they've had the product and ask them to review. Don't solicit, right? But ask them to um, leave a review and start garnering that social proof because it's so, so important. Also, like when you um, have schema markup, like if you use a schema markup app, those stars, that those reviews show up in the search engine results. And that oh, can be really great. Yeah. So that's, that could be really great for getting people to click over. They're like, oh, this has 500 five-star reviews. Boom. I'm going to click over to this website. So there's a lot of benefits to having that social proof. Okay. Well,
0: that was like a little masterclass in. <laughs> <laughs> Here's everything you need to know in 45
1: seconds. Oh, no, I love it.
0: Well, it's, it's so funny because I know you and I have had this conversation a lot. Like that is just the tip of the iceberg. And mm. I think for product businesses specifically, like we really understand the importance of SEO. You know, like we really we understand that we are a website that is primed for people to purchase. So you just need to have people be able to find your shop in general. And I think that that is there's such an understanding that we need SEO, but how could it be a little bit more advanced than just like okay, meta fields and you know, like some basic things. So there's there's just so many layers to it. Um so I want to talk about your, like your new coined term, which I'm just obsessed mm. with. Okay. So Nina has this signature, I don't know what you'd call it phrase. Mm. Yeah. Phrase, I guess it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's legacy content. And so Nina and I have been, we boxer all the time and we've been doing this for like six months. So I've seen the evolution of this and, I'm really excited to talk about it here because it's like SEO next level and how you can think about your business differently. So, I'd love for you to just talk about legacy content. Like, what is it and why it's important for business owners?
1: Yeah. So, legacy content is essentially, it's basically evergreen content, but we're going to kind of like, give it a glow up right so Mm -hmm. it's content that's either um audio like a podcast video like youtube or a blog article how to guide right something long form meaty and it doesn't have a timestamp. So you're not writing about like the Kardashians latest wedding. It's something that, you know, people now and people two years from now are probably going to be searching for, right? Um, so it's content that can stand the test of time. And it's going to be an anchor for so many of the things that you're doing, right? You can use it as a um, jumping point for like content repurposing for your social media platforms. It is a beautiful way if you're an e business like product-based to drive top of the funnel traffic to. Your website. So, some brands that do this really well are like Wayfair or Home Depot or even like Pottery Barn, right? They have all these articles on like design tips and, you know, how to guides, like how to install a ceiling light fixture, things like that, that then link out to their specific product pages. And people are like, oh, okay, cool. I know that when I need you know, to buy whatever the next time, I'm gonna come to this website. It's a really great play for brand awareness. Um, and also it's content that people need, right? And that's what makes it legacy. It's what you start to become known for. It's not just like throw spaghetti up on the wall and see what it sticks. It's content that you know your audience needs that they're craving and you're creating that for them. And like I said in the beginning, it can be repurposed. So like instead of having to constantly take a micro piece of content and turn it into another micro piece of content, you have this foundational piece of content that you can then repurpose across multiple channels like Pinterest, which I know tons of product based businesses um, use. If you have a YouTube channel, you can repurpose it there, right? You can repurpose that one piece of legacy content into other forms of legacy content. So, like, That's if you. Fun s- part. That's yes. the fun part. And the people that are super successful, like, Like small businesses that you've are like, they're everywhere. That's what they're doing, right? Mm -hmm. They're talking about the same thing, but they're just repurposing it across multiple platforms and they're creating that legacy content, right? Because they're taking that one piece of content and just Repurposing the heck out of it. And so that's where it becomes really, really beneficial. And I think sometimes e commerce businesses are like, I don't need to do that. I have products. Ooh, yes, you do. And so, like, this can help build your authority. It can help build your trust in the eyes of Google. Um, And Google wants to see your expertise and experience, right? So, like, if you're a jewelry designer or maker, There's tons of things that you can write about, right? Like where you're sourcing your materials from, how to take care of your jewelry, um, your whole backstory and your history, like um, the history of specific types of jewelry pieces. You can really showcase who you are as a business owner and why
0: you're the expert, even in your product-based field, using legacy content. Well, I think... Okay, that's amazing. And I think (laughs) what's so different right now... Or not different, but I think the buyers are shifting, they right? Like Mm. the consumer now wants to connect with the maker and with the person behind the business. And so the more you can kind of inform and give them content that is lifestyle driven, it's going to then convert them. I think people have been just like hit over the head with ads and like buy this, buy that, especially since COVID hit when everybody shifted online, that I think now people are just craving that storytelling. Yes. And particularly as a maker, you can show, I mean, you gave amazing examples. Like you can show your process, People even just something as simple as like behind the scenes. Yes. And then that can link out to another legacy content piece that is, okay, here's your design process. It links out then to uh, how to use it, which then links out to mm-hmm. the collection. You know, there's so many cool things that you can do we've even been starting to do this a little bit more with boku so i'm excited yep. to see how this you know plays out for me but it definitely makes approaching content easier whenever you're thinking about a more holistic view to it mm-hmm. and so i'd love to hear your perspective on how to find well obviously you there's some obvious ways to find topics but how can you find topics that your customer would actually be looking for mm-hmm. and, I'd love to hear some some thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, so the first one is if your product is an often gifted product, so if you're in the jewelry or you do like, you know, like you, obviously, (laughs) um, or you're selling like spot goods, anything like that, start with gifting keywords. Um, And so this is a little bit of a trick. Like gift guides are an amazing way to create legacy content, but you do not need to re- create the wheel every single year, you can use the same URL like holiday gift guide and update it year after year. So it builds authority. So like if you're making products that people will gift, I would start with gifts first, like gifts for moms, gifts for brothers, unique gifts, whatever is in your wheelhouse, look at those gifting terms. And there's a ton of content that you can often create just around there. Like I remember doing keyword research for a client once, and I think we found like 6,000 different types of gifting keywords that were related. You wouldn't want to go after all of those, right? But Just gives you an idea of like the breadth of terms that are out there. If you are a product that people probably aren't going to be gifting, that they're buying for themselves, like clothing and things like that. um, There's tons, like people are interested in sourcing, um, eco-friendly, like whatever, like talk tie it back to your mission. Um, people are interested in like the history of different things. Like you'd be surprised how many people are interested in like the history of denim or like styles. Um, you know, you could do a trends over like the decades. People love looking at that and how things have evolved. Um, you can also do like, um, let me think for like clothing. Um, you could look at gifts too, or you could look at like outfit formulas. That's a trademark term, I believe, but you could talk about like, you know, how to utilize your different clothing products for different seasons, different events, things like that, like all of those different types of things. So this where would be where like type stuff into Google. People also ask, what are other people writing about, and use that as a jumping off point. I always start with Google and see what already is being ranked, right, or what's already popping up, and then you can take those keywords and bring them to the search, um, the keyword research tool, and see what that like pops up. But um, gifting for gift-based brands and then any kind of like storytelling um, or like how to use the product or, you know, if you're selling purses, like maybe you pull in like one of your favorite, I don't know, like makeup brands, right? This is what like, this is my purse. Like all those different types of things. People love that. And then you can easily repurpose that too for
0: social media. Well, and the cool thing about what you were just talking about is you are giving suggestions for a a, a like product,
1: like an mm. adjacent
0: brand, which I think is really cool because your your piece that you're creating won't feel so salesy. You're saying exactly. here are some other things that we'd recommend that go with our product that it's not necessarily a direct competitor, but the person who is Shopping for one thing, you know, also is interested in this other thing. And that can tie into collaborations and so many other things beyond just the piece of content you're creating. But you can, you know, really do a lot with, with those kind of crossover. things, which I love so much.
1: Yeah, totally agree. I think that there's like um, a fear sometimes of doing that because people are like, well, I don't want to take them to somebody else's website. And I'm like, this content is top of the funnel, right? Mm -hmm. They might not have ever even heard of you until they found this piece of legacy content. This is a perfect opportunity to show and like showcase authenticity, Mm -hmm. to build trust to show that you are, you know, collaborating. Maybe you're um, collaborating with other female-owned businesses or whatever it is. So don't hesitate to put your brand mission and values out there with legacy content as well, like you just mentioned. Because I feel like that's that consumers want that, right? They want that. Um, they don't want to just be sold to and everything. And so there's a time for selling. That's what your product pages are doing or your collections pages. But legacy content is really about connections. And so like if there's one thing you walk away from, it's about, you know, providing value to the user and creating connections. So they read this and they remember you and then they come back and they convert later. Right. So think about it as being like um, a connector.
0: (laughs) What brand is it? Primally Pure. I think Primally Mm. Pure does a really good job of kind of having that sticky content and they're creating blog posts that tie to their emails and they're all kind of linking out to one another. And so you just feel like it's a little bit of a seamless experience. Um, One thing that I'm curious about, I have asked you this a million times. And Mm -hmm. so I'm going to ask it here for everybody to to hear. So I think, okay, going back to the gift guide. So Nina and I started, we met last spring. Well, actually like a year ago we met, but we started actually working together. I hired her for SEO in, I want to say it was July is when we started mm-hmm. working together. And we were talking about holiday and you were like, you need your holiday gift guide up right now. And I had this like panic moment and <laughs> okay. I'm like, I don't have any gifts ready. Like I'm like two months out from having everything photographed. And you, you so you explained the concept of what you just walked through with mm-hmm. having things out there to crawl. And so Ever since then, I've continued to wrap my head around the timing of content for SEO purposes because we all know it takes, you know, a couple months or weeks, depending on how you know uh, strong the keyword is. But it can take some time for things to catch on from an SEO perspective. So, mm-hmm. can we talk about please one more time for me to understand <laughs> the timing of content? So, if you're looking for keywords right now for you know something right now that's mm-hmm. topical or or not topical, just like seasonless things. Sure, that's fine. But what about something six months from now or three months from now? How do you find relevant keywords that people are searching for, and how do you time out your own legacy content so that it's relevant and top of Google's mind by the time mm-hmm. that becomes important? Yeah, this is such a good question. So, and I've asked it a million times. No, so. right, and. <laughs> Let's pretend like I'm asking it for the purposes of the listeners, not me, to understand it for the fifth time. Um, So let's
1: start with the keyword part. So there's a couple of things you can do to understand seasonality with keywords. The first being Google Trends. So it's google.com backslash trends. You can type in the keyword and pull it out for like all time and you can start to see peaks right, Um, and valleys. Not all keywords are tracked there, but the big ones will be like holiday gift guide. That's going to be in there. If you have access to Google Keyword Planner, this is actually one thing that they do that I don't think any other tool does is they will break out search volume by month. So you can see the historical trends of that term. So you're like, "Oh my gosh, this trend, you know, peaks in April or this trend peaks in, you know, if it's Q4, it's going to be like a late November or early December peak usually." So those are two things that you can do. Semrush does have like a little graph where you can see like the peaks. Um so those are some ways to understand seasonality. Sometimes you just have to make assumptions, which I don't really like to say. But if you don't have access to data, you have to use your best guess, right? Um, this idea of the content being live, but like not completely fleshed out beforehand. So in the ideal world, we talked about this a little bit earlier in the episode, you're reusing these URLs year after year. So like Amazon, they don't create a new Black Friday url every year it's the same url they've been using for like 15 years right it's like amazon.com backslash black friday okay so they just remove it from the nav like you know like at the top of their global nav during whenever q4 kicks off they have black friday deals they'll just remove that from the navigation but that page itself is still live so it's building trust and authority over time so even so let's say you've never created anything seasonal before you're listening to this episode and this is your first time and you're like oh my gosh you can create like your, you know, example.com backslash holiday gift guide URL, create it now it's live and like put some content on it. You know, the 2023 gift guide, you know, have an intro paragraph, you know, more coming soon or something like that. Is it going to like kill it with SEO right off the bat with that little copy? No, but it's live. It's out there and it's starting to gain authority. So when June, July-ish comes around, you can start fleshing it out with your products and your Q4 um, promos, whatever it is that you're going to be launching for Q4, you can start adding to that gift guide. Um, and then next year, you'll have that gift guide. You'll update it with your new 2024 content and all of that. So I this is a hard pro- like concept, I know, because you're like, why would I create this URL and it doesn't have anything on it, Nina? But mm. just create it and let it... Let it live. Let it breathe out there (laughs) in the internet. Um, And then add to it when you have the content. So, um, and it doesn't have to be like, you know, Google needs to crawl it. So it needs to be like, navigable from somewhere, but not like your main nav, right? Google's pretty good at finding things. So, um, and like Mother's Day uh gift guides or Easter or Halloween, whatever is like relevant to your business, give yourself a 90 day lead time at least minimum. Okay. So even if you already have those URLs in place from previous years, you want to give yourself like 90 days to um let Google crawl, update, rank, etc.
0: So okay. yeah. I I think what was interesting last year when we were working together, I had typically done my, and I think I actually talked about this on the podcast in Q4, um, but my my gift guides were in blog form and they weren't mm. on landing pages. And so my it just was a little more year specific. So the title of the blog had the year in it. So then my URL had the year. So I'm excited to see what happens for Boku this year with having the holiday gift guide be a landing page. And actually, mm. I just made a note because you said, update it now so that it says the, the copy is relevant to this year. And I think I still have all the 2022 stuff. So yeah, making to do lists while we're talking. <laughs> so when it comes so that's for gift guides, when it comes to blogging mm-hmm. and creating content specific for for something that is coming up, like let's say it's, um i don't know summer barbecues or something summer 4th yeah. of july here we go. i'm like what's a summer holiday an obvious one 4th of july um when would you recommend people are blogging for that specific time period so that that blog really has legs leading up to your peak
1: time yeah so i mean it really depends on how long your site's been around how much traffic you're already getting if you have a site that is getting m- quite a bit of traffic, Google's crawling it more frequently, right? So that plays into it. If you're a brand new site, I would give yourself really the 60 to 90 days to get like Google, because Google doesn't crawl your site every day unless you're a big site, right? So like Google's crawling Amazon multiple times a day, but they're not coming to my site every day, a couple times a month if I'm lucky, right? So um, I would get that. I would give yourself like a 60 day at least um, and create it Put it out there, and then because it doesn't matter where in your chronological order it it falls, because it's a landing page. It's people mm-hmm. are searching something coming from the SERPs directly to that page. So I wouldn't worry about the date or things like that. And then when it's time, you can take that and repurpose it to be timely for your social media and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. But you've given yourself that runway leading up to it to get Google to crawl it and hopefully rank, etc. So sixty—I mean, ninety
0: days is ideal, but sixty. 60th yeah. year on crunch time. Yeah. So you can go back, let's say you put it out now and it's 90 days in advance. Yeah. When the time period comes that you want to start promoting it, you can update it with current products exactly. and make sure it's super relevant and then start promoting it. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. It's something that I never really had thought about before and it absolutely makes sense. You want your timing to... you If you're going to put all this effort into your content, you want the timing to be ideal so that you're mm-hmm. really, if you're putting a blog post out there the week of Mother's Day or the week of your Mother's Day cutoff, it's not going to really matter a whole lot except for the few people that see that you're sharing it or that are on your email list and click in. You want new customers to come and find you from it. So exactly by having this like legacy content approach where you're creating content that is rooted in search and you know people are going to be wanting mm-hmm. that the timing definitely ties into it. So I think it's a a little bit of a game for figuring out your content plan. You kind of have to do a double layer of creating that.
1: Yeah. There's definitely like being strategic with when you're putting out content for sure for SEO.
0: Uh, Okay. Well, this is really good. It's like a little masterclass. (laughs) I love it. I could talk about this all day. (laughs) I love it. Is there anything else that I missed that you wanted to talk about for for product businesses or or any offers that you have for product businesses. Like let's talk about all the things.
1: Yeah. So this is just a friendly reminder for anybody who hasn't set up G four analytics yet mm. that it's like a hundred days out now, like as of the end of March. So if you don't have G four set up, you need to do that because as of July Google Universal Analytics will sunset and buy, bye buy data. So that's just a little friendly reminder. Um, and then I have an SEO Shopify bootcamp that is launching at the end of April that I'm super, super excited about. It's a six-week group program. It's going to be very small and intimate. And we are going to walk through everything that you need to amplify your visibility over those six weeks and get your shop beautifully primed for q4 and you'll have um an optimized site at the end of it or a better optimized site at the end of it and a q4 checklist so you can really really get the most out of the upcoming holiday season so i'm excited about that um and then always amazing. yeah it's i'm <laughs> like i'm just so am for it because i e-commerce seo just like <laughs> i'm
0: just so giddy about it it's so exciting well, there's so, I think that there's just so much to learn. So even if you think that you understand SEO, like mm-hmm. when I first started working with you, I, I remember even saying to you, I understand SEO, but I feel like I need a little bit of help. And now I'm like, I don't understand SEO at all. No, I do. You've been teaching me so much, but there's just so much more to it than just these kind of surface level things. Um, yes. And I think the timing of this bootcamp, you were saying it launches in April, end of yeah, April? End of April, yeah. I mean, that's prime time because you're going to have... You're going to be working through it in May and June. And so I feel like by the time you're done with that, you are going to have such a good like roadmap leading up to – Q4 and your content's going to actually be out there. So that's actually really smart timing. Yeah, I'm
1: excited about it. That's why um, I timed it like that, just so because I know like everybody, we want to take time in the summer, right? To like regroup. And you've taught me that like product based businesses, Q4 <laughs> is just so great, I mean, which I knew because like it was always busy for my like clients and things like that during Q4. So, like, but getting your perspective as the actual business owner, I think, you know, so when I was thinking about timing, yeah, I was like, let's do this and then you can all take a break. We'll have a beautiful summer of
0: calm and rest and relaxation. Yeah. And, yeah, and get ready for that wonderful and then, like, season. Level pedal to the metal. <laughs> then no one has time for anything. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so okay. So tell me, tell everybody how they can find you. Where are you at? Yeah. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Nina Gibson co. So I share tons
1: of tips on there. I love sharing information. You can go come say hi. I like making friends too on Instagram. (laughs) Um, and then my website, Nina You can check out, um, my offers and things like that. I have a blog as well. Um, and then my podcast elevated visibility where we talk all things, SEO and digital marketing with a little bit of SAS and a little bit of woo. So you can check that out if that's your jam too. And you have a membership you didn't even mention. And I have a member. You do all I the things, things. <laughs> and I have a membership. I have a digital marketing membership for female business owners. It's called the Visibility Co, and it's awesome. Um, there is a monthly training. There is a monthly hot seat coaching. We have monthly office hours. Very cool guest speakers, and it's SEO, but all things digital. So, like next month, we're talking about is your business ready for Google ads and social media ads? Um, mm-hmm. We have a financial a person. Yeah coming in to chat with us. We have a branding expert, um, Malika, who used to work for Olay and all of these big companies coming in to talk. So yeah, the mar- uh, thank you for bringing that up as I'm like sitting here. But the membership is amazing. It's a very cool group of women and it's very hands-on. Um, you can you get, get so much value. You get so much value. Like yeah. if you have a blog post you want me to read, if you need keyword research, boom, it's all there. So yes, definitely check that out. It's all on my website.
0: Okay, I'm okay. gonna link everything out for you in the show notes too, because I know we just talked through a lot. But Nina is a wealth of knowledge, and I think just you are just so lovely and amazing to work with, and anybody I've ever recommended to you always like fawns over you. So,
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> please try down down down. Down over me, yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate you. And thanks for being my first guest. Yay. Thank you. This was awesome. Thanks. All right. Okay. Hope everyone has an awesome week. Thanks so much for tuning in. All right. That's all I've got for you today. I am so glad that you're here. If you are loving the show, I would be beyond grateful if you would just take a minute to rate and review this podcast just to help spread the word. Now, there's something in it for you, too, as a little thank you. If you leave a review, share a screenshot or just share the show to your stories and tag me at product to profit coach on Instagram, you'll be entered to win my new monthly giveaway where you'd win a hot seat coaching call with me, you'd have the option to record it live on this podcast, which not only would be so much fun, but would also give your amazing brand some visibility and you a quick win. So thank you again for tuning in. I hope that you absolutely crush your sales this week.